Welcome to Edinburgh's Church at Home. Uh, obviously, things are a little different right now as we're dealing with this coronavirus situation, but we are so glad that you uh, are tuned in. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're thankful that we have technology that allows us to do this, to still be connected. We know schools right now uh, and businesses are closed, but one thing that isn't closed is the church. Uh, because the church isn't a building. The church isn't uh, just Sunday morning services. Uh, the church is made up of God's people. That's you and me. And this is an opportunity for us to be God's church. And so my prayer for you is that you would be uh, the church to others, that you would be a source of encouragement, of hope, pointing people to Jesus uh, and the hope we have in his name uh, during this, this time. Uh, you know, if you would have told me a month ago uh, that people would be uh, hoarding toilet paper, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you. Uh, if you would have told me uh, a month ago uh, that we were supposed to be washing our hands, <laughs> uh, well, maybe I would have believed you for that. We should have always been doing that. But if you would have told me a month ago that we'd be practicing something called social distancing, uh, I, I wouldn't have believed you. Now, if you're an introvert, uh, hey, you know, you, right now, this is, this is fantastic, right? You know, introverts <laughs> unite in our own homes uh, by ourselves, okay? But if you are an extrovert, this has probably been a, a, difficult, a difficult season. Um, if you would have told me a month ago that businesses and schools would be closing down, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't have believed you. And when this all started, it kind of started out there. You know, this was over in China or it was taking place on the West Coast here in the U.S. Uh, but now it's not over there anymore. It, it's, it's right here. It's in our living rooms. It's affecting our homes. It's affecting our lives. Many of us are having to figure out right now the child care situations with our kids' home. We're having to figure out our job situations. There's, there's uncertainty there. Uh, some of us, we, we don't know if uh, we're going to have a job. Uh, we, some of us have already been laid off. There's, there's talks of, of pay cuts. Uh, I'll tell you, it's even affecting um, this, this church. The problem is no longer over there. The problem is now right here, right in our lives. And the question is, can we have peace in the midst of this? Can we have peace? Is there hope? in the midst of this. That's why we're kicking off this new series. It's called Overwhelmed, because I think many of us right now just feel overwhelmed by this whole coronavirus situation. Uh, how can we experience God's peace in the midst of chaotic times like this? That's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. And I, I want you to see something that Jesus says in John 10. Jesus says in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now here Jesus refers to himself as a shepherd and he's referring to his followers as sheep. Of course, this took place in a time where it was very common to see shepherds uh, leading their, their flocks of sheep. And I'm not an expert on sheep, but I do know a couple things about sheep. I know, one, sheep are vulnerable creatures. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have claws. 
Uh, and so they are vulnerable to wolves and other kinds of predators. That's why they need a shepherd. I also know that, that sheep aren't the brightest creatures. Uh, I, I learned this uh, a few years back. I, I was at the state fair uh, with my kids. My daughter, Michaela, was maybe five, six at the time. And we were in the, the sheep uh, exhibit area, uh, standing next to one of the sheep pens. And Michaela took out her chapstick. And you know how little kids do? They don't just want a little chapstick. You know, she unscrewed this thing to where half the chapstick was out. But before she could get it to her lips, uh, a sheep, you know, stuck its head out of the pen and uh, before she knew it had bitten off half of her, her chapstick, uh, chewed it, swallowed it. You know, uh, his, his lips looked great, but uh, I, I learned uh, sheep are not the brightest creatures. Now, this isn't Jesus' way of saying that we're dumb or anything like that. But what he is saying is that you and I cannot see the big picture. You and I do not have God's perspective. We do not know what is around the corner. One thing that's true of sheep is they are low to the ground. They can't see threats. They can't even see where the green pastures are. It's why they need a shepherd who can guide them and lead them. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And so what I want to talk about today is why is Jesus the good shepherd? Why is he good? Well, one of the best places we can look in the Bible to answer that question is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is probably the most popular uh, scripture in, in, in the Bible. And it tells us about this good shepherd. And when I look at Psalm 23, this psalm that was written by David, I see four things that it tells us, at least four things it tells us about the good shepherd, okay? First, we see that the good shepherd provides for the sheep. The good shepherd provides for his sheep. Psalm 23 starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Saying that he will provide for our material needs here. He will take care of our basic needs. It doesn't mean he's gonna give us everything we want, but he will take care of our needs. Sometimes the best way to have faith as we move into the future is by looking at God's faithfulness in the past. You know, looking at how God has been faithful to us, taking care of us over the years. I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking about a time uh, in my family where uh, I was working in the ministry, but Danielle was really the one who was, had the job that paid our bills and things like that, and uh, then she got laid off. And I remember thinking, what are we going to do? She did get a severance package, uh, and we were living off this severance package. And I remember as the months went by, that severance package uh, shrinking until it finally ran out. And the month it ran out, I got my first paycheck right here at Edinburgh Church. That was God's faithfulness to us. I'm telling you, sometimes when we move into the future and we need faith, the best way to have faith for the future, for the unknown, is by looking at God's faithfulness in our past. God has proven himself to be faithful in our past, and he will prove himself to be faithful again. He is the good shepherd who provides. He provides for our material needs, but not just our material needs. He provides us rest. 
The good shepherd provides rest. Uh, verse 2 says this. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Some translations say, say he restores my soul. Now, I want you to underline something. Notice it says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. I can't help but wonder if this whole coronavirus thing might be God's way of saying it's time to lie down. He, he's making us lie down. Life has been busy. Life has been chaotic. Maybe this is God's way of saying it's time to lie down in green pastures. And the green pastures here are where the sheep feed. Maybe this is God's way of saying maybe it's time that we slow down and we start feeding on his presence. Maybe this is a time where we start opening up our Bibles and we start pouring into God's word and, and looking at scriptures and letting it feed our souls, our minds, and our thoughts, and even our emotions. Maybe this is a time we spend some time in prayer, feeding on God and his presence as we pray to him. Sometimes we pray and we just, we talk too much. Let me suggest that maybe what we need to do is, yes, talk. Let God know what your requests are, but maybe also spend some time listening. Listening to what the good shepherd might want to tell you, because I'm telling you, when the good shepherd speaks into your life, when he has spoken into my life, I'm not sure anything restores, refreshes my soul, like hearing a word from God. I can't help but wonder if this is God's way of making us lie down. You know, vacations and things like that are great. I love going on vacations anytime I can. But sometimes we mistake that as being rest. Here, the psalmist is talking about something we would call true rest, real rest. This is when we lie down and we feed on the presence of God who can restore our soul. And how do we know he's going to provide for us? Well, verse three says this. It says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. We know that he's going to take care of us because his glory is on the line. He provides for us because it's who he is. And he wants the world to know that he is a faithful God, that he is a good shepherd. And he wants to demonstrate that through your life. His reputation is at stake. This is how we can know that he will take care of us. This is how we can know he will provide because he has put his glory at stake for you and for me. And when we know that, we can know that he will provide for his sheep. Okay, but he doesn't just provide for us. He also protects. The good shepherd protects his sheep. Verse four says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right now we are walking through a dark valley, but we don't have to be afraid because our God is with us. We have a God who dwells with his people. It says his rod comforts me. What was the rod? The rod was what the shepherd used to defend the sheep from the wolves, to defend the sheep from the predators. And we can take comfort knowing that in the presence of God, you and I will be safe from our spiritual enemy, Satan. 
And what Satan wants to do is he wants to come in and lead us into this place of despair. He wants us to lose hope. He wants us to wander from our God. And I am telling you right now, as your lead pastor, something that God is putting on my heart, we are in a unique time of spiritual warfare. I sense it. We are in a unique time of spiritual warfare. And the New Testament teaches us we cannot be passive during this time. You cannot be passive. You can either choose to lie down and let the enemy kick you around, or you can start kicking back. You can take the weapon that God gives you, and you can start fighting back against this spiritual enemy. What is our weapon? Well, Paul tells us, Ephesians six seventeen. listen to what he says. He says, take the sword of the Spirit. That is our weapon. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? It is the Word of God. I am telling you, we have got to learn not just how to know God's Word, not just to read God's Word, not just to memorize God's Word. We've got to learn to start using God's Word. It's not enough to be able to say God's word. You've got to claim God's word. You have to claim his promises for your life. Do you know that they are yours? Paul says elsewhere, all of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. Do you know that if you are in Christ, God's promises are yours? Do you claim those promises for your life? Friends, this is how you overcome the enemy. I learned this lesson many years ago. I was in college, and I'll never forget. I was, I was, I was walking out into the, into the parking lot of, of my school, and uh, I was being bombarded by the lies of the enemy. He was telling me things like, uh, God doesn't love you. God, God couldn't save a person like you. He doesn't want to save a person like you. You're too dirty. The things that you have done. And I was just being bombarded by these lies, but I'd been reading Romans 8. And friends, Romans 8 might be the greatest fighter chapter in all of the Bible. And so I remember I said this out loud in, this, in my school parking lot. I said, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has paid the price for my sin. It's not based on what I have done. It's not based on who I am. It's based on what he has done and who he is. And in that, I find my rest. I am safe in Christ because of what he has done for me. I just am told to believe, and that is my gift. That is what I receive. I receive security in Christ. And then I moved on to Romans 8, 28, and I said, for we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I said, do you hear that, Satan? It means no matter what I've done, the mistakes that I've made, no matter what you do to me, no matter how ugly it is, God promises to take what is ugly and to turn it into something beautiful in my life. So what can you do to me? Because nothing can separate me from the love of my God. I am telling you, he fleed at those words. Friends, this is how you overcome this is how you overcome. This is how you gain victory over the enemy. You use God's word against him. It is not enough to say God's word. You have got to begin claiming God's word for yourself. God will protect us 
But we've got to take up our sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The third thing the Good Shepherd does for us is he pours out blessing on his sheep. Look at verse 5. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What kind of God is this? He invites us to this table. Do you hear this? He's serving us here. This God is serving us. What kind of good God is this who serves us, who anoints our head with oil so that our cup is overflowing? Friends, this is talking about God's spiritual blessings. God's spiritual blessings to you and me. You know, Paul says this uh, elsewhere in Ephesians 1.3. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. And then this is the key, in Christ. In Christ, we are given every spiritual blessing. What kind of God is this? Paul goes on to, to mention uh, right away one of the first spiritual blessings we receive, which is, is, is just knowing our identity. He says, you have been adopted into God's family. You, you've been adopted. Do you know who you are? You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You have been adopted by God into his family. It reminds me of the story of the brother and sister who were fighting. And the brother, to give his sister a hard time, he said, <laughs> you know you were probably adopted. And she said, yeah, well, at least that means I was wanted. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's true of adoption. I mean, let's be honest. As parents, having kids is a crapshoot. You get what you get. Not adoption. Adoption, the parent hand selects the child. The, the, the child is, is chosen. The child is, is hand selected. And this is what God is telling us is true of us. We have been chosen. We have been hand-selected. Paul goes on to, to say that before the, the, the creation of the world, you were chosen. Do you understand what that means? That before the earth was even created, God knew you. He knew everything about you. He knew all the mistakes you would make. And he loved you with an eternal love. What kind of God is this? And, and this love keeps going. This, this love continues because the psalmist goes on to say, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Some translations say that his goodness and love, it pursues us. It's kind of what this Hebrew word means. It will pursue us. When I met my wife in, in college, I pursued her. I wanted her. She had a boyfriend. I didn't care. <laughs> I pursued her anyways. I said, she is going to be mine. This is what your God says about you. You are going to be mine. Even if you stray, even when you walk away, I will leave the 99 to come hunt you down because I have loved you with an everlasting love. You are mine. What kind of God is this who loves us 
with this kind of love. And maybe some of you have strayed, and maybe some of you have gotten away from the flock. And maybe you're reminded of God's love for you, and it's time for you to return to his blessings. Which brings us to the fourth and the last thing the good shepherd does for us. The good shepherd promises us eternity. Verse six, again, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We are promised eternity because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, the good shepherd. In fact, going back to John 10, Jesus makes this statement as well. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This Jesus laid down his life for us to pay the price for our sin so that we could spend eternity with him in this place called heaven. We, we, we read earlier that there was this cup of blessing that we get to drink from, but we got to understand there's also another cup. There's a cup of wrath. There's a cup of judgment for our sin. And that was supposed to be the cup we drank from. That was supposed to be our cup. And yet Jesus, the good shepherd, he said, Father, let me take their cup. I will drink their cup down. I will drink every last drop and then I will give them my cup, the cup that I have earned because of my righteous and faithful living before you. I will give them my cup of blessing to drink from. He takes the wrath. We get every spiritual blessing, and that includes spending eternity with God in this place called heaven. And we get a glimpse of what this heaven is going to look like. We read this in, in Revelation 7. Listen to this. God's people are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, this is what we are promised. Do you understand what this means? We don't have to be afraid. We don't even have to fear death because God tells us the best is still yet to come for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who follow the good shepherd. What does this good shepherd do? He provides, he protects, he pours out blessing, and he promises us eternity. You know, many years ago, my kid's uh, teacher at school um, took this video and he noticed that as he was taking this time-lapse video of this sunrise, 
how busy everybody was. Just people coming and going. You can see cars, you know, rushing by. Parents coming to drop off their kids. Parents coming and going. But what he noticed was that not one person stopped to just take note of that sunrise. There it was right in front of them. And yet not one person stopped to reflect and to see this sunrise. So busy. So busy. I can't help but wonder if maybe with this whole coronavirus thing, maybe this is God's way of making us lie down. And here is the good news, friends. God is with us. He is with us in this. But we have to choose to feed. Are we going to fix our eyes on him? Are we going to press into his presence? Are we going to get into his word? Are we going to spend time with him, connecting with him through prayer? Are we going to pray for our nation? Are we going to pray for our families? Are we going to pray that God would use us in mighty ways during this time? Are we going to press into the good shepherd and start following him? The one who provides, the one who protects, the one who will pour out every blessing in our lives, and the one who promises us eternity with him. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the good shepherd that we can trust in the midst of these chaotic times. And maybe there's someone out there who right now just needs to know, Jesus, that you're gonna provide for them. I pray you would give them faith to know that you've been faithful before and you will be faithful again. Give us faith to trust you, to believe that you will provide our material needs, that you will even give us rest, sweet rest during this time. And Lord, I pray that you would protect us from the spiritual enemy. I know he wants to get in. I know he wants us to fear. I know he wants us to despair. Bind the enemy, Lord Jesus. We pray that in your name, bind the enemy so that your people are filled with hope, so that your people are filled with spiritual life in them and can be an encouragement to others. Lord, thank you that you pour out your blessings on us. I pray we would walk in those blessings, that we would not treat those blessings lightly, but that we would own those blessings, that we would claim those blessings to be ours. And then, Lord, we thank you that you have already established a place for us to spend eternity with you, where we will one day see you face to face. But even as we wait, we know that spiritually, God, you are with us in this valley. You will not forsake us. You will not leave us. But you will be faithful. Give us faith to believe that. We pray these things in your name. Jesus, we love you. Amen.